morning. My name is Hannah Shafroth. Please stand for today's scripture reading, which is from Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, uh, fellow ambassadors of, Christ, ambassadors of Christ. How are you this morning? Excellent. So you've got a uh, fourth-year student at the Bible Institute of Los Angeles, Biola University, reading your scripture, and some yahoo with a communications degree doing the message. God does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? Um, you know, last week, Bill talked about spiritual abuse. This week, I'm teaching... Is it a coincidence you be the judge? I'm not sure, but here we go. Um, I just, uh, I'm just so glad all of you are here or out online, those of you joining us uh, via the internet this morning. Um, we're just going to continue on in our teaching series titled My Circus, My Monkeys, where we've been taking a, a closer look at the church or what does it mean to be the church or be a part of a church. And we've talked about the importance of gathering together uh, regularly and consistently. And we've talked about um, how when we bring this, this group of folks from just a variety of different backgrounds and preferences and biases, that it's going to be messy from time to time. And so we need to be respectful of one another. We need to be honoring and loving towards one another. And, um, and that, takes some, that takes some work and that takes some just being and some practice and being in community together. We talked a few weeks about, ago about the importance of worshiping together. And while you may love to sing the worship songs in the shower, it's not the same as worshiping together as a church body. And, um, and then we talked about accountability as well and how we need each other. And in the Celebrate Recovery Ministry, which I'm a part of, that's a big part. We all have accountability partners. We all have sponsors. Because if you're going to recover from this thing we call life, of being human, you need fellow brothers and sisters with you on this journey. Um, because our sin nature is going to take us off the path, inevitably. And so we need folks to kind of act as those spiritual guardrails in our lives. And sometimes we hit those guardrails pretty hard. And so when we are helping each other out by asking to be held to account and, and holding people accountable, um, we need to do that with love and, and with grace. And then we talked uh, last week about ministry, ministering to one another in this body and then taking it out and ministering to others outside of the body. And that's where we're going to kind of pick up today and kind of continue on. The whole focus today will be looking out. And so we talk about... Um, we gather in order to scatter and share the good news of 
Christ. And so we've been, during this teaching series, mostly focused inwardly, and today now we look, we look out. We get out of the holy huddle, if you will. And that has sometimes, uh, sometimes that phrase holy huddle is looked at negatively, and yet there are good things about the huddle. Uh, we've talked about many of those good things through this series. And if we put this into the football analogy, because it's football season, there's a good reason the team huddles up. Um, it's a time for a brief rest. It's a time for reflection. I'm sure there is accountability in that huddle. I'm sure there is ministry occurring in that huddle. And uh, you know, who knows, there might even be worship in that huddle. But if the team never breaks out of the huddle, they never get into the game and they never advance the ball down the field. And so the same is true of us. If we never get out of this room, this building, and get out into the world and share the good news of Jesus with others, um, we don't advance the kingdom of God. And so that's what, what our focus is today. Now, this is not um, about me giving you the three secrets to evangelism, and that's just kind of a churchy word for telling people about Jesus. Um, this is not how to turn someone from pagan to pastor in two hours or less, okay? This is about connecting our hearts or reconnecting in many cases, our hearts to who Christ is, what he has done for us, um, to change our hearts and minds and to refocus them back to why we really need to share Christ with others because there is a need for Christ in others. So I have a confession to make. And I can hear my wife squirming in her seat already because when a recovering alcoholic says to a group of people, I have a confession to make, that can get a bit dicey. Um, my confession is this, when, when I heard the title of this series that I was going to be teaching in, it's called My Circus, My Monkeys, I was confused. And so I did what many of us may do in this day and age when we're confused. I got on the Google machine and I typed in circus monkeys in scripture. <laughs> Didn't get much. I think, it's, I think in 2 Kings it talks about apes, I think it directed me there. And uh, fortunately my wife is more hip than I am and she said, no, no, it's a play on that phrase, not my circus, not my monkeys. And I went, oh. And she said, you're still confused, aren't you? I said, uh-huh. <laughs> she said, it's like saying, it's not my deal. It, 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 it's not my problem. It's above my pay grade. And I'm like, okay, now I get it. That I understand. And I think that's very appropriate for what we're talking about today. Because you may be, as we've been going through this series, you may be one going, yep, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I love this, this is exactly me. You're here most Sundays, you are involved in a, in a ministry or two here at Rolling Hills, like me, I'm with, involved in the Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Um, you may be in a community group as well, and you might even be discipling a few folks outside of this, this church building. And then someone comes to you and says, well, you need to share your faith with other people. And that's when we say, whoa, whoa, that's Bill Town's circus. That's Bill's monkey. That's what Aaron does. Zach, it's right in his title, Community and Global Outreach. There you go. That's him. Not my circus, not my monkeys. And yet that's not what Jesus tells us. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son, or in the Son and the Holy Spirit. And some of you might quibble with that word. Well, it says nations. I have no diplomatic credentials, therefore not my circus, not my monkeys. So let's take a look at what he says in Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world, uh, 
and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Pretty straightforward. Notice he does not say to proclaim the gospel only to those who are in your same socioeconomic um, circle or only when it's convenient for you to do so, when you have a little spot on your schedule, go and proclaim. He doesn't say uh, only to proclaim the gospel to people who look and smell just like you. He doesn't say to proclaim it to people who only agree with you on everything all the time. He said to the whole creation. And so that's going to take us into areas and take us to people that is going to probably put us out of our comfort zone from time to time, and that's okay. Um, And so just, just realize that that is part of sharing your faith, is getting out of our comfort zone, our comfort area. And so we're going to take a look uh, at the, 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 the scriptures that Hannah read earlier as kind of a guideline or kind of a, uh, what, how did Jesus send folks out on mission? What, was, what were some of the things that he felt was, in, was important? And what can we take from that and impart that into our, into our own lives? And so um, let's go ahead and get into the scripture. Actually, first of all, let me just give you a little couple things about the scripture. The sending of the 72 that we read about in Luke 10, or 70 in some of your Bible versions, um, is only found in the Gospel of Luke. It is not in any of the other three Gospels. And I think that one of the reasons is because of who Luke was. Um, While scholars will, will probably always debate and be looking into who wrote what in the Bible, um, as we sit here today, the accepted, when we look at what scholars accept as the authors of any given books of the Bible, um, Luke is the only Gentile author that, 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 is, that it's agreed upon out there. And I think that's why he included this, because the 72 were sent to the Gentile regions or areas um, to, pre, uh, to pre-visit them before Jesus did. If we look at the, the, in the previous chapter, Luke 9, and in several of the other gospels, uh, Matthew 10, I think is another, um, we, it, he talks about the sending of the 12, sending the 12 disciples out. And Jesus gave them instructions to specifically go to just the Jewish areas. Matthew uh, 10, 5, and 6, Jesus says, go nowhere among the Gentiles, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so when, we, when Jesus sends the 72 out into the Gentile areas, I think this was near to Luke's heart and one of the reasons that it's, that it's in the scripture here. And so let's just, let's just dive into our scripture this morning. Luke uh, 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And so one of the things to, to pull out of this is, is even while Jesus was here in the flesh and could have, and of course did, share about the kingdom of God, he sent others to do so as well. He sent others out as ambassadors to represent him. And sometimes I think we think that we have to do it or we, we are called to do it now because he's not here. But even while he was here, he was calling people up to this task. And so this... This concept of ambassadorship, which is spoken of in in 2 Corinthians 5.20, among other places, Paul writes, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so that's the first area of connection 
this morning I'd like you to think about in your hearts. Do you consider yourself an ambassador for Christ? And so, as we, I'm going to kind of four connection points this morning. And the first one is this, ambassadors for Christ prepare the way. And then we get out of the way, okay? Talks about Jesus sending the 72 to the areas that he was about to visit himself. So we prepare the way. And then we get out of the way. And that doesn't mean we, 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 we do a drive-by gospel, you know, type thing. We're going to walk with people through their, their faith walk. But what it means is sometimes the enemy wants to whisper in our ear that, um, well, you need to save this person. And we know up here, we can't save anybody. We know only Jesus saves. We share, he saves. But sometimes we start putting more pressure on ourselves than we need to in this, in this scenario. Just realize you are just there to plant the seed. You are there to prepare the ground for Jesus. Jesus does the work. And so let that free you to not be concerned about trying to save anybody. Just go out and, and share. So ambassadors for Christ, prepare the way and then get out of the way. So as Marty Brown, Pastor Marty used to say, we need to take the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Spirit. In other words, with the Spirit indwelling us, but then we leave the results to God. So we prepare the way. That's taking the initiative to share Christ. And then we leave the results to God and then get out of the way, okay? And initiative is the key. Initiative is the key here. And just think about your, your week, last Sunday to this Sunday. How many times this past week did somebody walk up to you and say, excuse me, can you tell me about Jesus Christ and how I might have a relationship with him? Anybody? It didn't happen to me once. In fact, it hasn't happened to me this entire year. And so if we are not taking that initiative, those gospel moments rarely happen. Doesn't mean they can't. God can do anything. But most of the time, it is we who need to take that initiative. And so it, it, it's key there that we prepare the way. Verse two, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So who are these laborers we are to pray for? We are those laborers. Okay, so the prayer is not this. Dear Lord, please send anybody but me out. Amen. It's not that. It is send me, Lord, and send others along with me. Okay? So let's do something radical. Let's take God at his word and let's pray. Let me pray for this, for us. Lord, give us hearts of love and compassion for the lost. Give us a renewed love of the gospel and a deep admiration and appreciation for those that are already uh, in the trenches sharing your word with others. Lord, we ask you to raise up and equip more workers, more laborers for your harvest fields. Fill them with your spirit and empower them to boldly proclaim and represent you in your word to the rest of the world. Lord, individually help each one of us to be obedient to your voice and to do our part in advancing your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So pray earnestly for laborers to join you. And you may need to start with you. You know, you may be the first laborer that uh, needs prayer 
and that you need to spend some time in prayer. In his book, Tell It Often, Tell It Well, Mark McCloskey writes, evangelism is not a task that God himself, um, that God does himself. Rather, he sovereignly chooses to accomplish this work through his children. And so the second area I'd like to connect your hearts to this morning as we talk about sharing the gospel with others is ambassadors for Christ are not just part of the plan, they are the plan. So what is that plan? Well, that plan is to use messed up, selfish, prideful, narcissistic, and lust-filled broken people to advance his kingdom. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that freeing? So while the world would look at that resume that I just read and say uh, something like, "Eh, we'll be in touch. Jesus looks at that and says, you're the perfect candidate for the job. When can you start? The enemy will say, you need to be perfect before you can share and go out and tell others about a, a perfect and holy God. But God says, you don't need to be perfect because I am. When we get our heads and our hearts around the fact that a perfect and limitless God would sovereignly choose, as McCloskey says, his limited and imperfect children as the primary means of spreading the gospel, well, that should create a change in your perspective. You know, we weren't the fourth thing that he tried in this sharing the world. We were the first, and, we, and, and Jesus was doing it even when he was here in the flesh. So that should change how you look at the world. It did with me, as I was preparing for this lesson and, and, and just really getting my head and heart connected to that. You know, I looked at those words, the harvest is uh, plentiful, but the laborers are, are, are few. And I was always, always read that as kind of like, well, yeah, the harvest is plentiful maybe in the Bible Belt, but this is the greater Portland area, come on. And I realized that's exactly the opposite of how God would look at it, wouldn't he? He would say, well, this, the greater Portland area, is a, is a huge potential for harvest. I'm thinking low-hanging fruit. He's thinking, no, the people that are actively maybe um, opposed to your particular perspective, that's the harvest. And the harvest is plentiful. We have a tremendous opportunity if we just get our heads, get our hearts around that fact. And so I encourage you to, 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 to look at the, the opportunity that exists where God has placed you in all the places of the world to be into, in, in this harvest. Uh, verse three, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And so ambassadors for Christ are sent courageously vulnerable and focused. So let's just unpack that a little bit. We're sent. It says, I am sending you. Sometimes I just read right over that, but really get your, get your hearts around that. When we are sent to do something, it's different than just going out and doing something. So do you feel sent as an ambassador? So two things to connect with this morning. Imagine this. Imagine if your calendar at work, instead of saying, let's say you're in sales. And so at at 9 a.m. you have currently 9 a.m. meet with sales team. Imagine if it said 9 a.m. Jesus sent me to meet with the sales team. 
And at 12 o'clock, it said, Jesus sent me to have lunch with a couple of old college roommates. And at 5.30, it said, Jesus sent me to Mary's soccer practice. And at 7 o'clock, it said, Mary, uh, Jesus sent me to go out to dinner with friends. Now, I know that's kind of wacky, okay? But to get our hearts and our heads around that idea of we are sent, we are on, should be thinking about being on mission. And so just refocusing um, you know, where we are and, and, and the importance that we play in this process. We're courageously vulnerable. We are going out as lambs among wolves. We're certainly going out among wolves. Um, and sometimes that lambs piece people have a hard time with because we're gonna, we're gonna get loaded up for bear and go out there and attack them with the gospel or something like that. And we don't wanna be doing that. And, 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 and Jesus' point, I think, in the scripture, he talks about don't take a money bag, don't take a knapsack, don't take an extra pair of sandals, is you don't get hung up on all the particulars. Don't get hung up on, on, on all the stuff. Focus on me, the shepherd. Rely on me, the shepherd. Yes, there are wolves out there, but I will protect you. And we need to go out with, you know, with, with our heads on straight, certainly. But we don't want to go out in that defensive posture. We want to, and we don't want to go out and think, okay, I got to get all this stuff in order before I can share the gospel. So you don't need your money bag, your knapsack, your iPad, or your megaphone, or whatever. You just need to rely on the shepherd, is what Jesus is telling us here. And how many times do we, we start interjecting or injecting ourselves into, okay, I need this, this, and this, and this, and then I think I can go share, maybe. So we need to be courageously vulnerable. One of the best ways that we can be vulnerable other than just relying and setting down all that stuff and relying on our shepherd is to share our story. You have a powerful story. Share your story of transformation before you try to encourage someone else to be transformed by Christ, in other words. It's a great way to, to, to eliminate pride and to kill fear. You know, when I share my story with others about my years of addiction and what a pathetic life I had as an alcoholic, a practicing alcoholic, um, it's hard to be real prideful, you know, when I'm telling folks that. And there was some fear that, that came along with that, certainly, the first few times I shared that. But you know what I've found is that more often than not, it opens a door. As we are vulnerable, as we share openly and transparently, with another, it gives them permission to drop their pride and overcome their fear. And that's where we can have a spiritual conversation. That's where a gospel moment can begin to occur. And so go out with courage, but also be vulnerable as you go out. And finally, we're focused. We need to have an appropriate sense of urgency when we go out to share the gospel. Um, once again, Pastor Marty always instilled in me he would say, um, well, let me put it this way. Let's say we took a survey and I said, do you think it's important to share Christ with others? Now, probably almost universally in this room here or even out online this morning, we would probably get a yes. We'd be pretty high percentage. Yes, I think that's important. But if I were to change the question and say, do you feel it's important to share Christ with somebody when you get out of church today or this afternoon or this Tuesday? Well, that's when we you know, pull out the phone. Well, let's see, I've got a thing and then the kid's got a thing. And then at the end, okay, I think March. I could do this maybe, okay? And Marty would always say, that's the enemy. 
okay? Enemy knows he's not gonna talk you out of, you sitting here as a believer, if you are, of, of the importance of thinking that, it's a, that, that you should share Christ with others. He's just gonna make you think you can do it later because there's plenty of time, no rush, all that type of thing. So we need to be focused. We need to have that sense of urgency. It needs to be appropriate, but we need to have that. All right, we move down to verse 16 in our passages, um, Luke 10, 16. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And I think fear and rejection, uh, or fear of rejection is one of the top two uh, things the enemy wants to whisper in our ear. The other one is you don't know enough. You need to, you need to, be, you need to know the Bible better or something like that. In the case of, of rejection, the enemy uses pride to move our eyes onto us or keep our eyes on us and, instead of you know, keeping them on Jesus. And so don't let that fear of rejection, because it's a pride thing. If, you're, if you are fearful of being rejected, you being rejected, Jesus is taking care of that. He's saying, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And if they reject me, they're rejecting the one who sent me. So you're like way down on the list, okay? The enemy wants to get us thinking, okay, if I screw this up, if I, if I don't tell them the, the good news just right, they're going to hell. That's not true, remember? We prepare the way. Jesus saves. So ambassadors for Christ know that, the reject, that a rejection of the messenger does not change the message, had this modeled to me in my life. Been mid-1990s, a retired couple moved into our cul-de-sac. Um, and uh, they had a fifth wheel. They would travel for part of the year visiting grandkids and watching their sporting events. And, but then they'd be up here for most of the year, I think. Got to know them, and I connected with the husband. Um, he had a sense of humor that was like mine. He... Um, Loved to golf, and I loved to golf. He was a Beaver fan. I'm a Duck fan, so that I was always, you know, engaged in good, vigorous conversation. And he, he always had this mischief, uh, mischievous smile on his face and this glint in his eye, like he had this secret he was just dying to tell you. His name was Bill Town, not the Bill Town we know and love. Bill Town Senior, people call him. You, some of you may have known him. I didn't even know there was a Billtown Jr. that was a pastor at a church at that time. There's just this guy who I connected with in the cul-de-sac. And, and Bill would often, as we were in conversation, move the conversation in a gospel direction. He would share about Jesus with me. Being a diehard atheist, I would reject Bill. Loved him, thought he was a great guy, but I would reject that, the messenger there. And one day I remember in particular, we were out by the mailboxes and he said to me, or I said, I, I finally said, Bill, I don't even believe God exists. And he looked at me with love, with that smile, with that glint in his eye. And he said, Jack, it doesn't matter whether you believe God exists or not. He does. And I know that was spirit-driven, spirit-led. See, Bill knew that no matter how much I rejected him, it didn't change the message. It didn't change the fact that God created us to be in a perfect relationship with him. And that we chose to break that relationship. We chose to worship ourselves instead. He knew that it, my rejection didn't change the message that God had a plan to fix that though, by sending his son to earth, 100% man, 100% God, to live a perfect life, a life that we could not live ourselves, and to then therefore die on the cross, being the perfect sacrifice, therefore taking the penalty of that rejection onto himself so that we did not have to pay that penalty. 
Bill knew that my rejection of the messenger did not change the fact that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, overcoming sin, overcoming death, and restoring for those that believe in him, restoring that relationship back to its created state. Bill knew that the messenger, rejection of the messenger didn't change the power of the message. I rejected a lot of people, including Bill, over the years, and yet the power of the message somehow made it into this thick head and this thick heart. Bill never uh, saw me become a child of God. So he's going he's gonna to be really surprised in heaven when I show up, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but in, in a way that didn't matter, he was preparing the way. He was going to share and leave the results to God. And son of a gun, if God didn't do some amazing things in my life. All right, so the 72 go out, they come back. And that's where we pick it up in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so we see here that sharing the gospel has kingdom consequences. We share, Satan falls. It has kingdom consequences as, as folks accept Jesus into their heart, Satan falls. But, but, but Jesus is, 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 is quick to remind us that having the power to knock down the enemy should not be that by which we, we measure ourselves, if you will. In other words, it's not about the power we have to fight the enemy, but rather it's about connecting our hearts and our minds to the perfect, loving, sacrificial source of that power. The power that saves not because of who we are or what we do, but because of who he is. The power that saves by grace alone through faith in Jesus. So Jesus is bringing us back, bringing those 72 back to him. If you are here today or maybe you're out there on the internet watching us this morning and you are ready to tap into that power. You are ready to tap into that power that saves by grace alone through Christ. Then I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now because the enemy might be whispering to you or might be whispering to me, oh, well, there'll always be time. And let's do it now though. And that, that is just simply by um, talking to God, asking him into your heart. Uh, some of you might be out there thinking, I need to reconnect to that power. And so if, 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 if that's you, um, let me just pray. And you, and you might say something like this, God, I know you love me and I know that you've been pursuing me and I know that I have been rejecting you. And God, I, um, I ask you to forgive me for that rejection. I, I, I've seen what it is to rely on my power 
and um, I'm ready to have your power come into my life and, and fill me. Lord, I want you to, to take over my life. I want you to, to be in every aspect of my life. And, I, and, and, and honestly, Lord, I don't know what that looks like, and I'm kind of scared. But I know what I know, and I know that I haven't, um, I'm not satisfied. Something's missing, Lord, and I, and I just believe that you truly are uh, that answer. Lord, I love you, and I want you in my life. I pray these things in your name. Amen. You know, if you here with me this morning or out online made that, uh, made that commitment this morning, if you're here, uh, we'd love to know about that, and we'd also just love to kind of help you in those next steps. Um, and so right out in the center of our atrium there, we have a group of folks that can help you, um, could give you some more information, give you some encouragement, share some materials with you as far as kind of what's next or what, is this, what does it look like to, to be a part of this, this family that we've been talking about throughout this series? What is it like to have um, friends that, that are fellow believers and, and that you can be transparent with and that you ask to, to have them hold you to account? What does that look like? And if you're out on, 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 on the internet and, and, and have made that decision, you can go to rollinghills.org slash next steps and just give us some, some basic information and we want to get some of that encouragement uh, headed your way as well. So as a church, let us go therefore by taking the initiative to share Christ with the power of the Spirit in us to the whole creation. Let us go out with courageous vulnerability and a sense of urgency. Don't let the enemy convince you that it's not important to do it and do it now. Let us go therefore knowing that while rejection comes with the territory, so too does restoration and redemption. And finally, let us go there because while our names are written in heaven, there are other names that are not. And so let's do our part to add them to the book of life. Continue on in worship.